maybe I'm crazy, but I've figured out why everyone's shooting so well in the bubble. Solved it. Maybe I'm crazy, maybe I'm crazy, maybe I'm not. Welcome to the Maybe I'm Crazy podcast. I'm Joy Taylor. Kind of a really extreme week we've had. A lot of emotions, uh, a lot going on, a lot of sad news, obviously. Rest in peace, Chadwick Boseman. Black Panther, Jackie Robinson, James Brown, just an unbelievable, incredible talents. Uh, that was that was a hard night for me. I gotta admit, it's there's been a lot going on in the world. It's been really stressful for a lot of people, and that one definitely definitely broke me. You never know what people are going through. Be kind to people you don't know what they're going through. I think is a is a good message and learn for all of us from that. He was a straight warrior to go through all that and give us all that amazing art. Rest in peace, King T'Challa. And rest in peace to the legendary John Thompson, basketball coach, uh, unbelievable mentor of young men. Um, Alan Iverson tweeted about him and the impact that he had on his life. He just affected so many people and such a massive part of sports history and you know, just, just touched so many careers and lives. So rest in peace, Coach Sean Thompson. And with that said, we are going to talk to Corey Brewer, who was in the bubble, Sacramento King. He was in the bubble playing with the Kings. And he's going to tell us a little bit about what life in the bubble is like, what they have been going through, the players, with all the emotions of the, the strike and uh, all the pressures coming with, you know, talking about social activism and, social issues from the bubble, what that's, how, how that's affected all of them. Get some predictions from him as well. We'll talk to Heller and Donnie today, but let's get started with Corey Brewer. I'm very excited to have NBA vet Corey Brewer on the podcast today. Corey, thank you so much for joining us. Hope you're you're staying safe and, and staying cool. You know, it's hot out here right now in these summer streets. Um, but you're out of the bubble now, so you actually you you've been in the heat in in Florida for a while. What's it like to be uh to be home, be free of the bubble? Oh uh, man, uh, it's great actually. I just got to come home and see my family, you know, my wife, my little boys. I just had a, a baby; he's five months. So you know, a six year old and a five month old. It was great to come home and see those guys. What is that like being in the bubble? Congratulations, by the way. Um, being away from your family, you know, for for me when the bubble first like. The idea first came about my concern initially was with the younger guys like you know how are they gonna be able to chill for you know a couple months but you know we had been in the pandemic for a few months at that point so everyone was kind of starting to get used to you know quarantine but for guys like you that have a wife and kids like that's a whole nother level of stress that like being away from them it's kind of unprecedented because you're not it's not like that during the season yeah, that, um, that was the toughest part of the bubble, to be honest. The bubble wasn't, it wasn't too bad. The first couple of days, once you go to the quarantine, um, you have to stay in your room. But after that, you know, you can move around a little bit. Um, you can go downstairs, um, restaurants. Um, they have stuff for us to do. We went bowling a couple of times, went fishing. Um, so you actually have some things to do. But the aspect of not seeing your family, that was the toughest part for me. I think for all those older guys, people that have family, that was the tough part because you can only basically FaceTime. So I spent a lot of time FaceTiming, and, and that's kind of what got me through it. What's So what is it like? Like, is it, is it like being just away at, like, basketball camp? Does it really feel like you're just living at work? Because 
like you said, there's fishing, there's bowling, there's like restaurants, but uh, we have no concept of like what this is like. It's just like living on a resort. Um, it's kind of, it's like being at a basketball camp. I feel like it's like being at a summer camp. Like you basically just play basketball. You go back to your room. Um, guys play video games, but you're always with your teammates. Like you usually eat with your teammates. Um, it's just basketball camp. Man. Like it's like a, a bunch of older guys at basketball camp, just playing basketball and hanging out. Cause that's, that's all you can really do. Would you say that it's, it's brought teams a lot closer or are guys kind of starting to kind of pick at each other? Nah, for sure. I think it brings you closer just because you, you're around guys and you actually start hanging out with guys you normally wouldn't hang out with, I'd, I'd say. like So you're hanging out with all your teammates, so you get to know everybody on your team. So I think it makes teams closer because you get, you get to know the, the best player to the, to the worst player because you're all together. You know, you get to know everybody, even the coaches. You start being cool with your coaches because you see, you see them a lot. So everybody's starting to – I think everybody gets closer. What was what were you most apprehensive about, other than obviously being away from your family, going into the bubble? Um, I just didn't know how safe it was going to be. You know, at first I was I was kind of like, am I really going to leave my family? I just had a baby um, and get COVID, you know, because COVID is running rapid. Um, it's all over the place right now. Um, and I live in Houston, so it was, it was really bad in Houston for a while. So I, I was nervous about – could I contract COVID? And, but once I got there and all the precautions the NBA was taking and everything that's done, like I felt safe. So it kind of put me at ease. What's it like actually during games on the court? Because I had no idea what to expect. I think I felt like, I don't know, I guess I imagined there'd be like giant curtains or something like covering the stands, but I, I didn't know what to visually imagine it was going to look like. But honestly, after the first game, it kind of looked like a video game-ish, the first game. And then I totally got used to it. And now it's like a new normal. Like, obviously, you know, once the fans get back, we'll all snap back into it. But it really doesn't bother me aesthetically at all to watch the games. And with the crowd noise, it's easy to consume from my end as a viewer. So what is it like there? Does it feel like a regular game? Obviously, like, you know, taking the fans out of it, do you get used to it? Um, at first, it, it was weird at first, just because, you know, we've always played with fans. It's kind of, it was it was different once you got out there. Um, but I think the NBA and everybody did a good job. Like, once they put the virtual fans, it kind of made it a little, it was kind of cool. You could see people. And then once you start playing, you, you get in basketball mode. Like, when you're out there on the court, you kind of forget that there's no fans because you're really engaged and you're trying to win a game. You're trying to follow the scouting report. You're trying to do all the right things. And... The biggest thing is you just can hear. You can hear the coaches talk, and you can hear players talk more. So the game kind of gets a little a little easier, but it's a little harder if you're offensively because defensive guys kind of hear calls now. But um, after the first couple of games, I kind of think it was good that we had preseason games, I guess you could say, or scrimmages. Because after the first couple of games, I think guys kind of locked in, and they it, it is what it is. You get to play basketball. Now, it's been kind of crazy, some of the offensive performances that we've seen. Like you mentioned, the defensive guys can hear the calls. But there's been some people going off in the bubble. Now, I have a theory, so I want to ask you about it. Because this always happens with the NCAA tournament. Once they get into, you know, the Final Four, they're playing in these huge, like, stadiums, and the depth perception changes. So my theory is, obviously, they're great, amazing players, right? But they are having some, some pretty crazy numbers. Is there something to you're playing in a smaller gym, you don't have fans behind the basket, 
you're playing in the same exact gym over and over again. That like the depth perception for the the basket is changing. Am I crazy? Nah, yeah, I totally agree with you. You know, when you're in a smaller gym, when you're in a smaller gym, things uh, you now you see everything. It becomes it's a little easier. It's just like when you're in a high school gym. Like you can go shoot in a high school gym. I can go shoot in a high school gym until like, I can't miss. And then when you get in a bigger arena, it's kind of like whoa, like it changes. And there's no fans, so there's no distractions. You're just really out there playing basketball, like you, like you're in a gym by yourself. So I think guys really there. It's easier for guys to lock in, depth perception. You know, it's a lot easier. And you're playing in the same gym all the time. Like it's like being at home every game. Like you got a home game. So if you play well at home, now like the game, you just get used to it. And guys are getting hot. Like Jamal Murray has been amazing in these playoffs. Like. He's going 40 and 50 every night. Like, nobody's seen that coming. Um, you got a guy like T.J. Warren goes for 50. Like, you know, the basket's big for some of these guys. You know, it's crazy. Yeah, and that's I, – I thought that that might have something to do with it because I'm like, you know what? This is a very different experience for them. But, you know, you get in your little L.A. fitness that you're out every week, you know. You, can, you just be thinking you can put a good from anywhere. But it's, it's a familiarity that you get used to. Like, there is no home court advantage, but in, in a weird way. I mean, like, we've had games, Donovan Mitchell go for 50, Jamal Murray go for 40, vice versa. Like, these guys are going off. And I think it's just a little bit to to what to your point also. Like, you're, you're playing in the same gym. You're in the same gym. You get comfortable. Like, you know, you can get to your spots. You're shooting the same shots over and over. Like, these guys are superstars. Come on, like, yeah, guys, are, guys are getting 30 and 40 and regular. Now it's like... When they see a couple go in, it's like the gym's smaller, the basket gets bigger. And when a guy gets hot now, like, you can't – it's tough to stop guys in the NBA now. Like, man, if a guy gets hot, they're shooting from half court, basically. Like, Dame was shooting from half court. Come on, man. Like, this stuff is – like, basketball is getting getting crazy when it comes to that. Yeah, it's – it's. is there anything from the bubble that you'd like to see them keep? Man, I, I wouldn't say it's – like I enjoy my time, but you know you want you want to be in front of your fans. Like you you want that real basketball feeling that you're used to. So but no, I, but I, I mean like like, like they, there's just a lot of things they tried. Obviously, like some different camera angles. I actually think that the virtual fans is kind of cool. I don't know where they would like put that in an arena with regular fans, but I think it's a cool thing because you know a lot of people can't actually go to games. You know, obviously fans are a huge part of the game as we know, but most people watch the game on TV. So I thought that was a cool element. Obviously, the, you know, so- social justice, you know, names being on the back of the jerseys. Like, there's little things that they added that I think they could, you know, keep when everything gets back to normal. Uh, Let's bring the fans think- back, though, for sure. <laughs> yeah, sure. But I definitely think we should keep the social justice stuff. Like, just keep the movement going and keep doing what we're doing to show awareness to everybody. Because, you know, we have a huge platform. And we're, we're the NBA. You know, guys watch the NBA, every like, all over the world. So we're really shedding light on what's going on. So let's pivot to that for a second. There, obviously, the Bucks protested the game, and then you know there was a moment where there was a talk about possibly canceling the season. Was there a point where you felt like the season is definitely going to be like they're going to stop playing? I, I never thought the season was going to stop just because like the platform's too big right now. Everybody's watching the playoffs. Like people are watching the playoffs. Like if we stop, like how like. You can still go. We can go to our social media and try to get our message out there. You can protest, but there's nothing like people watching a game and they see see you talking, or they see a commercial, or they they just see what we're trying to do to get our message out there. I think it's it's better if those guys play, and the message is going to really be heard. 
Yeah, I agree. I was I was glad that the season did not stop. I think that the platform of the NBA has is massive right now. And, you know, to, to all the people who are saying, like, oh, the ratings are down or nobody's watching the NBA, like, okay. Like, I, I'm, I'm very much in the camp of, if you don't watch, if you don't watch the NBA, you don't watch the NBA, right? Like some people, you know, some people don't watch hockey, whatever. That's fine. That's your preference. But if you are an NBA fan, you're watching the NBA. Like, I'm sorry, there's no replacement for that. I'm not trying to hear it. And you, you are obviously watching because nobody complains about things they don't do. Like, I don't complain about badminton because I don't play badminton. Like, I don't watch it. So why? It's not affecting me if they, whatever they do. Like, great, I don't watch it. You're obviously watching. That's why you're upset about it. If that's what's triggering you. Oh, sure. People are definitely watching. And also, people got to understand, we had to play games at like noon, at one o'clock. So it was a totally different times. Like, so people were actually at work. So probably, ratings probably were down a little bit. But now once like playoffs are starting and getting back to normal, these eight o'clock games, seven o'clock games, people are going to be watching basketball. So whatever they, they can say, whatever they want about the ratings. And like you said, if you watch basketball, you're watching it. You're watching the NBA. Like, yeah, we don't, we don't believe you. <laughs> Watching, you're watching basketball. But that said, there is, there's like a heaviness around the country right now, obviously, with everything that's going on with the pandemic. And then, of course, the movement, you know, we're all talking and having these really hard conversations. And for the Black community, it can be very, you know, heavy and tiring and exhausting and, and saddening. And then, you know, we're, we're seeing these things on television and we're seeing them on social media and we're losing people in the community. It's a lot. So on t- that, for, the, for a regular person who's not in the bubble, is stressful. What is it like for you guys, the players, who are, who are in the middle of this conversation internationally, but of course, you know, important, most importantly here in our country, being criticized and you know, being told you know, you don't, you're not really in these communities anymore or you have privilege, you're just being criticized from every angle that your message is not, not needed or necessary or real or it's you know, liberal propaganda or whatever. Like, how are you guys all mentally dealing with having you know, the burden of keeping the, the conversation going while also playing basketball? That's definitely tough. You know, it's mentally taxing. You know, you got to think about a guy like LeBron James. He's really trying to play basketball, but then he's trying to use his platform for people to vote, for it to stop the social injustice. Like, it's a lot going on with these guys. Like, I was there. I understood. Like, it's tough. Like, we're really in a bubble, so we can't leave and do anything personally. But all we have is our, our voice on social media or just to do our interviews to get the message out there. But people can say what they want. Like, it's been happening for a long time, man. Like, this has been happening a long time. It's just finally now coming to light. So we have to get the message out there. We grew up in these neighborhoods. Like, we know what it's like. You can say what you want now. But we still have family that's going through this. We still know people who's going through this. So it's still hitting. It's still hitting us the same way if we were in the community still, because we are in the community. That's why we are trying to give back. You want to get out of the community so you can give back. So that's why all these guys are doing what they're doing. That's why all the guys were at the protests. Like we have to get the message out. Like we want these things to change. Like like I have young kids, so I don't want them to still be talking about this 30 years from now. You don't want. I don't want my kids to be going through this whole thing over, like social injustice, like we need change. No, we need change now. That's why it's not going to happen right away, but we got to use our voice for it to happen eventually. Well, thank you so much for everything that you did in the bubble for that and keeping that conversation going. I I hope you enjoyed being able to play basketball again. I know that was probably hard for you guys uh, in quarantine not to 
be able to do what you do every day. But congratulations on the new baby. Enjoy being back with your family. And uh, I hate asking you for a prediction, but, you know, I'm leaning Clippers-Bucks. Do you have a prediction? Ooh, I like Clippers-Bucks, but I don't know, man. Miami's tough. Listen, <laughs> Miami is my team, okay? <laughs> I loved it. I was losing my mind yesterday. But I'm also – I try to be, like, a realistic fan, so I don't want to – you know what I'm saying? I don't want to be accused of being a fangirl, although I really don't care. But, uh, yeah, my, Miami might pull it off. Yeah, I think Miami can get to the finals just because the way they play. Like they give, they're gonna give the Bucks problems because they they play D and they play together. Like they're a real team, and you know that, if a team's gonna beat the Bucks, I think Miami can beat the Bucks. So I think Miami has a chance to get to the finals. And then I like the Lakers, man. It's tough. It's tough. Oh. To, it's tough. I like the Clippers too, but it's tough to go against the Lakers, man. Until, until somebody really stops LeBron, like it's it's, it's hard to say the Lakers want to make it to the finals. Yeah, I mean, I, I, listen, I wouldn't be surprised if the Lakers make the finals. I just feel like the Clippers are deeper. Um, and in the bubble, we've really seen depth is really more, almost more important than it is during a regular season situation because you obviously rely on your stars. But some of the, you know, some of the stars have been having some dead nights and the, the bench has had to step up which, or, or just injuries. Like Toronto's bench goes out and scores 100 points. Yeah, I'm, I'm going one of the L.A. teams is going to get to the finals. Like. <laughs> Like it, that's tough. It's, it's hard to choose one. Like, right. I'm, I like the Clippers a lot. Like, you know, because their bench is great. Like, I love Lou Will. Montrez Harrell is my guy. Like, and Trez, once he gets back to being Trez, then I'm thinking the Clippers really are going to be tough to beat. And Patrick Beverly's hurt, so yeah, they 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 aren't 100. So I think, whew, that's tough. You're right. <laughs> it's gonna be <laughs> that's the coin flip. Like, it's hard to choose. It's a coin flip. I like it. With the Clippers 100% healthy, definitely they can get to the final. Well, it's going to be great basketball either way. Um, appreciate you so much for taking some time. Congratulations again on the baby. Enjoy your family and stay safe. I appreciate it. Thanks. Hello, Heller. What's up, Joy? There's no neon behind you. You're not in your usual spot. I'm not. I'm at my brother's in Miami. Where it's- nice. Hot to quite hot, warm. It's cool down here, which was much needed. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I love it, but it's uh, it's humid here. Uh, yeah. But we are in his nice, um, nice office. And uh, what am I winning or quitting today? Okay, so lots going on in the world of sports and the world of the world. Let's get into it. NBA players might be in the Disney bubble world, but they are acutely aware that the rest of us aren't exactly living in a fairy tale out here in the world world. The Milwaukee Bucks, from the state where Jacob Blake was shot seven times in the back by police, and a 17-year-old wannabe militia boy killed two protesters and injured another with his long gun, started a wave when they decided to not play game five of their playoff series. An inspiring show of solidarity, the rest of the NBA and the NHL postponed playoff games. The WNBA, MLS, and tennis all suspended play for a period as well. Joy, the NBA strike made waves. Now let's surf them, with it or quit it. With it, uh, I know everyone's immediate reaction to the the strike. By the way, not a boycott. A strike. Yeah, Braun. <laughs> no, I mean it's okay. It's uh, the only problem with calling it a boycott is then you kind of have to explain that you're not right. actually boycotting the product because you are the product. It's right. a strike, and you don't want and you don't want a strike to be like a labor strike, like when the season at. You know, I get it. I get it. It's tough. Yeah, so it's a strike, uh, but. It was very impactful. Like, I don't understand these people who are like, well, what's, what's it going to change? It doesn't change anything. Good nothing. 
Like, <laughs> no, it actually did exactly what it's supposed to do, which is right. to get you talking about it, which you just did. Winner, winner. That's how it works. So, yes, it was effective. Yes, it Talk got everyone's it. attention. Yes, everyone was talking about it. Every show had no choice but to talk about it because it's an NBA playoffs. It's not a random game in the middle of the season. Like, this is a very, very big deal. Not only yep. was it a, a, a playoff game, it then caused, as you mentioned, a wave of other games around other sports to be canceled. And it's all for the same conversation. We're tired of having the same conversation. I started talking about it on Twitter, as I am want to do. Uh, yeah. That you know, I'm really, I'm really exhausted with people just saying there's not a problem. You know, I, I hear these people all day long. We all do, right? Like, you're tired of talking about this. We're tired of uh, sports and just politics, and like that. We had that conversation last week. I think it was very effective. Um, that sports and, and politics and social issues have always been together. They always will be because not only are athletes human beings, but they have huge platforms and they are usually in the position to speak about social issues that not only affect them, but affect their families, affect people that look like them, or just, you know, they're empathetic human beings who care about other people other than themselves, which I understand is a very difficult concept for most people these days, but it is exactly how we are supposed to be living our lives based off of, you know, a majority of religion and basically any moral standard that generally normal people have. But I digress. The point is, all of you people, you people, who are out there complaining. I mean, you people who are out there complaining about. Yeah, a lot of complainers. Tired of seeing this. They're not going to watch. They're boycotting. What is the conversation? Blah, blah, blah. What is the solution? It's always the same thing for me, right? Mm -hmm. Every time we have these conversations, every time there's a boycott, every time there's a protest, every time it hits the news, every time players go out and take a knee, and then you say there's no problem, you have made this conversation go longer. You, <laughs> yourself, are being counterproductive to the very thing you say you want. You, you want this conversation to go away? Cool. Come on. Take a seat. Let me explain to you what I've gone through in my life. No, contrary to popular belief, I did not receive a How to Manipulate the American People handbook at media school. They don't <laughs> actually have those. Um, let you behind the curtain a little bit. There's no masterful conspiracy in the media to control your minds with our liberal propaganda. It's just things that I've been through in my life and people who are close to me going through it. And then, you know, people that look like me and people that are in my community where I grew up and friends that I have, you know, experiences that we've all had, that we're all telling you about. Do you think everyone is supposed to sit around and talk about racism all day long? No! We want to enjoy our lives and our families and our time here on earth. But instead, you, the person who keeps saying there's no problem, keep making us have to continue to have this conversation. So you're going to do yourself a favor. If you'd like this conversation to end, not because you care, not because you're not racist, not because you you want the world to be a better place. None of those things, because you clearly don't. But just because you selfishly don't want to talk about it anymore, just come ask for solutions. Okay. I give up, right? What is it that you need, black community? What is it that you're asking for, women? What is it that you're asking for, (laughs) LGBTQ people? Like, we we just, uh, what what is it? I just, I'm tired of talking about it. I just want to fix it so I can go back to sitting on yelling at kids for putting, you know, letting their ball bounce on my lawn. That can happen for you. Yeah. All of your friends that complain about the same thing. 
So even if you have no motivation other than your own selfish, selfish greed and your little bubble being disrupted, that should be enough for you to say, you know what? That's pretty, that's a, there's a problem. That's a pretty compelling argument you just made. I never thought about it like that. That's pretty good. You know what? I'm a solution oriented person. Mm -hmm. Contrary to popular belief, I actually do want things to change. I actually do want things to be better. Right. For that, but that's do do people really? I mean, people clearly don't want things to change. There's some people that are that are. Right, and that's what fighting. it comes down to, right? Like it's all of this. All the athletes are talking about, right? Protests. Breonna Taylor. WNBA. NHL. MLB. MLS. NASCAR. Everyone. We're all talking about the same thing, right? Let's just make the world a better place for everyone. And in order for that to happen, things have to change. People don't like change. In general, people who have but, enjoyed a pretty comfortable existence especially don't like change because that change may, in their mind, mean that things could possibly get uncomfortable for them or all the advantages that yeah. they don't want to admit that they have could be infringed upon. Or there could be more people who have an opportunity to you know, benefit from the things that they've benefited from. So then maybe I won't actually be able to benefit from them anymore. No, I don't think I like change. And that's really what this is coming down to. Do I think that everyone in the world is a raging racist? Obviously not. No one, in fact, is saying that though. So what is what is the protest about? What is, what is, what is the NBA doing? What are the players doing by boycotting a game? They're using the power that they have on the platform that they have to do exactly what happened, which is get you to talk. And that's mm -hmm. what they did. Because if you were on the internet complaining, or you're on your little Facebook complaining, or you were calling your friends, you were doing exactly what they wanted you to do. Pay attention. Now, the next step, you know, touching someone's heart, or changing someone's mind, or actually maybe yeah. moving someone to live their life in a different way and convince other people around them to live their lives in different ways, that's the next step, which I hope and pray that we get to. But the boycott strike, the strike was absolutely effective. It did everything it needed to do. I'm really glad they decided to continue playing because they needed yeah. to keep the the pressure on and being there on television in this time is a massive platform and I'm really glad they did not let that go because while I do think social media is powerful, it's not as powerful as television and it's not as powerful as being in oh. everyone's face, having these conversations, wearing the jerseys, doing the post-game interviews, and playing incredible basketball. And, 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 and it just shows the power of solidarity that when they boycotted the game, of course, WNBA is always about that life. So yeah. they, they Special shots to WNBA. They, I, I watched their whole uh, rollout, you know, impromptu, but planned. It, it really it was a beautiful cap to that first night of sort of uncertainty that we went through with it yeah it was they're they're they're, they're really the best with it um mm -hmm. they're striking uh mlb baseball is so powerful uh like i was talking about colin i mean always been at the forefront of race issues in this country i just thought it was an amazing just an amazing show of power and i'm so glad that athletes are in this generation realizing like yep. solidarity and using your platform is so effective and you're right you're right under their skin you're under <laughs> i promise you you're under it so just don't let up we are we are not we're yeah. not close i don't believe we're close but we are making progress right and i i 
I, I'm never going to get tired of telling people that they're wrong. That I will never get tired of. <laughs> well, uh, I'm tired. Of, I'd, I'd rather people be right than you be able to tell them that I'd they're wrong. I'd much rather people be right. But I'm saying as far as like continuing to have to move, this, wrong, though, yeah. move this conversation forward, I, I'm, happy to, I'm happy to play that role. You tell them, yeah, this, this stuff doesn't happen overnight. If, it, if, if these things, these, you know, systematic issues that we have in our country uh, were easy to fix, someone would have fixed them already. Well, so <laughs> yeah, and, and it's not that, you know, it seems like a cop out to say like, okay, it's not going to be fixed overnight. Like, okay, well, then what's the solution? It's like I said before, the first step, the first step is that everyone has to get on the same page. Has to understand. And agree that there is a problem. There's so many people out there who are still like, yeah, this is not a problem. Like, this doesn't happen. It's not a big deal. Uh, there's not that many bad cops. There's not that many people being shot by cops. Like, as long as those conversations are still happening, we've got a lot of work to do. We can't even get to the fixing of things until we can get, we're never going to get everyone until we get the majority of people agreeing. We have something right. to fix. Right. And, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> NBA players convince little white kids they can dunk, so they can definitely convince them to treat everyone equally. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, I threw down some really nice dunks on that seven and a half foot hoop in my backyard. Really, <laughs> Listen, I, really I've been thinking stuff. I can dunk my whole life. I'm five foot two. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's the power of the NBA. So let's stay there. Uh, moving on, but moving on to a different little lane here. As much as I enjoyed the Rockets lost to OKC, the force game seven in that series last night, the Lakers probably appreciated it even more because those Rockets are going to be tired if they make it through. And if not, the Thunder's nice. But anyway, you, Joy Taylor, probably didn't even notice because you were so hyphy after the Heat won game one of the Eastern Conference semis over Giannis and the Bucks. I mean, congratulations. That's, Thank that's you. an amazing start. It was wonderful. Uh, yeah, let's, let's talk about it. So you're going to give us some unbiased picks. <laughs> unbiased picks for the second round but let's get there with this joy the bucks are not winning the title this year win it or quit it oh win it but i've never felt that they were going to win the title this year they don't have enough for anybody who comes out of the west it's starting to look like they might not even make it out of the east uh yeah. he, you know i don't get crazy i'm gonna be cocky heat fan but you know we did look good Look real good. Wait a little bit. but i'm not gonna get crazy oh. i still i'm i'm willing to be uh I'm willing to remove my bias for predictions as much okay. as I would like for the Heat to beat Milwaukee. If Milwaukee can get it together, I do think that in a seven-game series, they will win. Now, they didn't look like that last night, but again, it's a seven-game series. We, everyone was panicking about the Blazers. Everyone was panicking right. about the Mavs, and, you know, here we are. So, yeah. I, not I that I think that's going to happen in the series. I do think it will be a long series. I just think that Milwaukee will end up taking that series. Now, however... However, I don't know about the Raptors. <laughs> I don't really like to overreact to one game, but really? ooh, the Celtics looked really good. Yeah. They looked good. Uh, and so if they keep playing like that, I do think that the Celtics will, will take that series. Now, I originally had the Raptors. I, I kind of want to – I don't know. I don't want to get crazy. You know what? Get crazy. What you talking about? I just don't know. I don't like moving off of my predictions, you know? But yeah, it and the Celtics just looks so good. The Celtics look good. Yeah, but it's just it's just one game. I still, well, I'll I'll sell the Raptors back to you. I I still have faith in the Raptors. I think in terms of team, they're the most complete. There's guys that you haven't even heard of that can come in there and give them valuable minutes because Nick Nurse is coaching them up real nice. If the Celtics had Gordon Hayward still, I'd be like, yeah, okay, they dominated and they have all, but. 
you know, is Semi Ojale going to have to get in there and get minutes? Like, I don't know. So, uh, yeah. Okay. So, I'm going to stick with the Raptors. Uh, not going to react to one game. I'm going right. to stick with the Bucks. Now, Bucks and Raptors, if that ends up being the case, if it ends up okay. being Bucks and Raptors, I do think that I'm going to go with the Bucks in that series. If it's Bucks oh. and Celtics, I don't know. We'll have to revisit. Uh, okay. I want to see how these two series go. So I'm not going to go that far, but I'm going to take the Bucks. I'm going to stick with the Bucks, and I'm going to stick with the Raptors. Although I feel more strongly that my Celtics Raptors uh, prediction will be wrong than I do okay. the Heat and Bucks. I say that as a Heat fan. Now, right. You want the Heat to win, though, right? Of course I do. But I, I also want to be realistic about the situation. Yeah. Uh, now, in the Western Conference, we've got a whole other situation, okay? Because what I, whatever the hell is going on with OKC is beyond yeah. my comprehension and explanation. Uh, they weren't even supposed okay. to make the playoffs, okay? So no. they're playing on, on, on pure grit and heart, and Houston didn't have Westbrook for three games. They clearly obviously needed him. James Harden is exhausted. I, I don't know what's going to happen here. I really actually do not know who's going to win this series anymore. I thought Houston was a sleeper team, and I was completely wrong about that. So uh, I don't know. I, I guess I'll stick with Houston, but like, mm. sure. I don't feel strong about it. So Houston, I'm going to take in that series. I'm going to stick with the Jazz in, in the Nuggets uh, Jazz series, which has honestly been the best series of the bubble. Those okay. dudes are shooting, baby. Incredible, Woo! incredible Woo! show. Of, uh, and of emotional basketball. too. Unbelievable. Um, just young stars playing at the highest level, yep. pure, utter entertainment. The interview by Jamal Murray after the game, like all of it is just, we're blessed. Like, thank yep. you. For real. Shama Namahama. This thank is you. wonderful. Yes. This is wonderful. Um, uh, and, so I'm going and- I'm, I'm to stick with the Jazz in that series. I'm going to stick with Houston in this series. And, uh, yeah, it's Clippers-Lakers in the next one. I mean, <laughs> the Jazz do not have anything for the Clippers. And right. Houston is going to be exhausted. They'll probably get swept. Yeah. I think I think the Thunder are going to get through and they get destroyed. Um, yeah. I don't really I mean, know. If the Thunder get, get through, they're going to lose in five. Um, may get swept as well, but just because I don't know. I have no explanation for the Thunder. <laughs> if right. they do get through, Enjoy. I'll give them a game. But they're going to lose to the Lakers, and the Clippers are going to uh, are going to be the Jazz as well. Joy, there's so many good, amazing players. You said Jamal Murray, obviously. Spider Mitchell's going crazy. Uh, Books out of the bubble now, but he was going off. There's so many amazing, young, exciting players and teams. But I can't believe that it took Chris Paul getting banished to Oklahoma City for me to learn to love that guy. I used to hate that guy. That guy's the most cantankerous asshole on the court I've ever seen in my entire life. But boy, when he's sticking it back to Harden and them, I appreciate it a million fold. And he's holding down HBCUs and he's taking meetings and doing all this crazy stuff. Shouts, shouts to him and Iguodala for their role in the in the leadership of all of this. But I like Chris Paul now, Joy. That's how good the NBA is. It's amazing. <laughs> it really is. It really is. Uh, it's, I mean, I just feel like, I really feel grateful for the bubble. And again, I just feel sad. Like if you're just, if you're not into the NBA, like, yeah, know, you feel so bad for you. It's like, it's so good. There's a lot of bad stuff going on in the world. And the NBA is, has really been the whole time. It got, I mean, it even got dicey there with the, uh, when they went on strike, I was like, I don't know, this thing might not actually work out. And then it somehow came through even better. Yeah. So yeah. Cheers to yeah. that. Maybe Adam Silver should be in the bubble, but besides that, I'm with it. <laughs> They're crushing. What's up, Donnie? What's in high key, low key this week? 
What's up? All right, high key. Thanks to Kirk Franklin and the rest of God's property, practices in New England look like they've reached a higher ground. Low-key, DJ Cam Newton clearly took over the playlist, right? Or have the Patriots always been this musically yoked and we were just not paying attention? <laughs> <laughs> musically yoked. The reality is, uh, low-key, if you're not musically yoked, it could be a real problem. Yeah, that is that is very true. Uh, it, it, it flexes on you as a person, I think. <laughs> and also, yeah, but like, I mean, if you're in a relationship or a situation or like a consistent environment. You gotta be equally. Right, where the mm -hmm. music is not equally yoked, it can be very problematic. Like you go into, you know, you're going on a weekend trip with some people, and they're like, "Oh, we do not like that kind we're of on different music." Pages. <laughs> yeah. Really yeah, testing real really quickly. Um, I don't think that they've always been musically yoked. I have to imagine that this is this is Cam's work, right? Like, I mean, yeah. Kirk Franklin Stump is a is a throwback. I mean, what is that? That's going to be like 92, maybe? I think you're you're throwing it a little bit further back. I'm going to say that's like mid to late 90s. Like, I got to see. Uh, I, think, I, I don't know. I, 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 I got to do some research. But I, I really feel like that is. Because remember, that was like one of the original Kirk Franklin God's Property albums. Yeah. That's that's what put them on the scene, I feel like. Let me um, see. Uh, I don't know. We're, 97. Okay, you're right. Not that far 97. back. 97. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so still, it feels know. like it's been around forever, though. It's a classic. It is. It really and is. And they were playing the remix, I heard, which is, in my opinion, the better of the two because it has, like, it's it has the stump, like, that banger still quality to it. But it has, like, a little bit of a chillness to it, too, which I think is perfect for warm-ups, which is what they were doing. Oh, yeah. And, and listen, like, I think the thing about gospel music, which, like, I'm assuming you were raised on gospel music. I was raised on gospel yeah. music. It just is timeless. Like, and if you know the songs, you know the songs. And it doesn't yes. matter what you're doing, if it's a party, if it's warm-ups, <laughs> if it's a long yeah. drive, if it, yep. you know, it's church, it's a Anytime, wedding. Anytime, anywhere. Like, everyone gets on the same page as to what kind of energy we're supposed to be having at this particular moment. And yeah, so I, and I, I personally like working out to gospel music. Uh, obviously, not all gospel music is uh, equipped for the, the high energy that you need. Um, but right, a, but a, good, a good gospel playlist will, will keep you going. Um, so I, mm -hmm. I appreciated it. And I love all of these new little, little cam sprinkles that the Patriots are getting. Like he's going to, he's going to be a part of the Patriots, but he's going to, yeah. he's going to do it with flavor. Like he's going to do the press yeah, exactly. conference and not say anything and say he has to earn the starting position, even though Jarrett Sidham is clearly doing terrible in camp and Ryan Hoyer is, <laughs> you know, a career backup quarterback for the most part. Uh, he's gonna say the right thing, but he's gonna do it while wearing one of his signature hats. Like you just, you're just gonna get, yeah, you're going to so. get Cam, not can. the pod Cam. You're just gonna get sprinkles of Cam, sprinkles of, of Cam flavor it. all over this this Patriot situation, and I'm here for it. <laughs> all right, uh, high key, Luka Doncic and Marcus Morris don't like each other. I mean, that's just obvious. Low key, after Marcus's ejection in Game Six, the Clippers are starting to get that label "dirty team." But me as a bad boy zealot, I say they should embrace that label. Embrace it. Oh, I mean, uh, I am here for the, the bad boy Clippers. First of all, the Clippers have always had this kind of blue collar. We're the yeah. other team. You know, we're not the fancy Showtime Lakers. We're like the hardworking, 
you know, team of the people, you know, that's, that's the yeah, Clippers Yeah, gritty NBA alternative. Way. Right. So, you know, that, that version of the Clippers with like Blake Griffin and all that, but like that was, it was fun, but it wasn't really like the Clippers that you're seeing now. I think, I feel like that fits the Clippers vibe and like culture yeah. more. Like we are a little tougher. We all are a little rougher. We're going to go a little bit further. And that's fine. Like, look, Marcus Morris, you can feel how you want about, like, the play. I think he stepped on his on his ankle on purpose, okay? Like, I understand he said that he didn't. But it's kind of tough to argue that when you're then getting into it with Puka. Like, I think yeah, later. the evidence starts stacking up at that point. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't and, help. And, like, but it's okay. Like, it's that's basketball. Everything doesn't have to be finesse, you know, flashy. Yeah. Like, it, we, we can have a little bit of rough you know, we can get a little scrappy. Mm-hmm. It's okay. It yeah. doesn't get out of control and no one gets hurt, which no one got hurt. Luca can take it. He's a big boy. He clearly is, handles himself. So I'm here yeah, for it. Exactly. I like the attitude. Everybody doesn't need to have the same identity and fit in this box and follow the rules. Like that, that's what sports is about. Everybody has their own culture, identity, swag, energy. And the Clippers are great on top of it. Now, if they were terrible at doing this, then it might be like, eh. yeah, then you want to have some change. It's not working. Want to focus but on, like, it's working good at basketball and it's still first. legal. Yes. Yeah. Right. Just, that, that's what their vibe is. And I like it. I'm here for it. Same. All here for it. All right. High key. Monday night, Jimmy Butler scored a playoff high 40 points and the Heat came away with a W in game one over the Bucks. Low key, Miami is going to be representing the East in the NBA Finals. Hooray oh, for oh, joy. Oh, 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 <laughs> I know y'all are excited now. Oh, 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 oh. The heat is on, Donnie. Yes. I feel it. Everyone's on the heat bandwagon. Come aboard. We're not haters. Yeah, you can join I'm the here. heat bandwagon. I'm here for it. Anytime you like, we are accepting uh we are accepting stragglers. It's fine. I uh, I'm still I'm still gonna be cautiously optimistic. I watched that entire first game with total dread. They look As great. Any true fan would. I don't wanna I don't wanna over exaggerate one game. I know everyone has gone really crazy. In these playoffs, one loss in a seven-game series. Look, the Bucks are still great. All right, like everyone just everyone just needs to pump the brakes. I love the Heat. Of course, I would love the Heat to represent the Eastern Conference in the NBA Finals, and I would love to see them in the Eastern Conference Finals. Got to get past the Bucks first, right? So let's just everyone just calm down. Get excited. Get excited. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I am gonna have yeah. my two days of happiness, and then we got to do it a couple more times. But I will say right. Jimmy Butler looked great, and we were talking yeah. to Corey Brewer earlier on the podcast. He likes the Heat, too, because they are a team. And that is one thing about the Heat. They're going to play together. They're going to have each other's back. They're tough. They play mm-hmm. defense. They've got great shooters. It's not going to be easy for the Bucks. And I, Giannis still has the capability, obviously, of going off, but they gave him yeah, some trouble, sure. and I, I loved loved what I saw from the Heat. The one thing I will say about the Bucks, though, that I find interesting, and this is why I don't trust them to win the championship at all, is that when things start to unravel for the Bucks, they really unravel. Like, it just starts to get messy. Turnovers. And the energy gets yeah. down. And it's like there's no perseverance factor with the Bucks, And I don't like that. Yeah. Like, that's – that crumble. Uh, yeah, they start to crumble. And it's like, dude, just get it together. <laughs> like, yeah. It's, it's like one thing, yeah, like, Giannis <laughs> is getting stripped on back-to-back plays. Like, what's going on here? 
Yeah. So I, I don't I don't like that about about the Bucks long term into the playoffs. But uh, I love what I saw from the Heat, and I am really looking forward to the rest of the series. All right, uh, high key LSU's Jamar Chase chose to opt out of his junior season in prep for the 2021 NFL Draft. Low key, this could be the start of a trend of the tippy top prospects in college football. I do low-key think it will be a trend. I, I don't think it'll last forever, though. I think it will start – well, it's going to obviously start now because, you know, there's a lot of questions with college football, if we're even going to have a season, a lot of, you know, debate about whether it's worth it to play spring f- football and, and all these things. If you're a top prospect, I, I don't hate the idea of you opting out. I, I never had a problem with guys sitting out bowl games. Like, you, you if you're a yeah. top guy – then you're only in college to get to the NFL. So, yeah, you should do whatever you can to, you know, ensure your your draft position, first of all, obviously. But once you know that you're going to be in, you know, the top 10 or first round, just, yeah. okay, protect yourself. Like, go train. Mm-hmm. You're not really gaining too much from playing, and especially in a season like this. Now, in a regular season, you can exactly. argue, you know, you can improve your draft position. You're going to get more reps. You know, a team is my might see more of you, whatever. But like, generally, you just want to stay healthy, right? If you're already in that conversation. So that's why I think for the top, top prospects, and that's going to be a very small percentage that, yes, Mm -hmm, this may continue. But I don't think it's going to become rampant. I don't think it's going to hurt college football the way that it's hurt college basketball with top prospects leading. Because there's just more football players, right? Like basketball has a very limited pool of the top, top guys that really only play one year and go into the NBA and are successful, right? Like there's also a lot more options for NBA players if you aren't successful. Like you can go play internationally, you know? So there's, right, Mm -hmm. G uh, G League, there's there's a lot more options. If you do this in the NFL, it doesn't work out. The options are a lot more limited. Right, so I I don't think that people are going to be uh, advised to do this very much. I don't think it's gonna be rampant, but I do think we are gonna see more top prospects, the top, top ones, sitting out for the season or, or, you know, declaring early. And I don't think it's anything to panic about. These kids were going to go to the NFL anyway. They're just protecting themselves. It's not going to hurt the sport of college football in any dramatic way. So I I, I think it'll happen, but it's nothing to freak out about. Yeah, chill. Chill. Thanks so much for joining us, guys. Appreciate you taking some time for us. No, it's crazy out there. But we appreciate you joining us and supporting. Make sure you follow us on all our social media pages at Maybe I'm Crazy Pod. Subscribe on YouTube. And you can listen to the podcast anywhere you listen to the podcast. Spotify, SoundCloud, iHeartMedia app, Apple Podcasts. Stay safe. And we'll catch you next week. Maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'm not. Oh.